0: We look down
1: Good morning, FFM. We got a few people. Good morning, FFM. Hey, I know it's a holiday weekend, and a lot of people are out um, trailer parking. I mean, camping um, and having a good time. Uh, Some of them maybe are watching this morning, and so uh, we want to greet you. That's here in the house. We greet everybody who's watching online. If you're a visitor with us in-house or online for the first time, we want to welcome you. Let's give all our visitors a hand. Amen? Very, very good. Harrison, did you fill out a visitor card? Yeah, it's good to see you, brother. Harrison's back home. Let's give him a hand, right? Like, good to see you, man. Sticking around for a couple of days or a couple of months? All right, that'd be great. that will be good. Um, I want to mention something very quick as we get into worship and those type of things. Uh, Next week is our baptism class. Everybody say next week. So if you're getting baptized, you need to get baptized. You need to see Doug to get into that class because baptism is on September the 20th at the end of our service. And so it's going to be a wonderful time. Speaking of September the 20th, that will be the start of our marriage sermon series titled Unashamed. Everybody say Unashamed. Unashamed. Um, And so I want you to get ready for that five-week series. It's going to be great. Uh, This morning in-house, we have Alex and Jolie Seidler all the way from New York Elam uh, Fellowship. And so give them a hand. Alex is going to be preaching the Word this morning. It's going to be good. And uh, so all the kids are taking kids' notes. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, Since Alex didn't send me any notes or a PowerPoint so we could do the kids' notes... Uh, if you can just draw your best version picture of Alex and put it on there that'll be great. We'll 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 be and we'll send those to Elam and say this is what our kids thought Alex looked like while he was here ministering to us this week, right? So um No, anyway, just keep up with what he's saying and write some of those things out. It would be great. Hey, do us a favor this morning, especially since it is a holiday weekend and there are a lot of people who are vacationing and out and about watching online. Would you share our live stream? Be a part of our ministry team and help us share the gospel this morning with the world who is uh, looking probably for some place, Amen. Uh, they're going through social media right now, and you never know they might click on your link and watch our service this morning and 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 uh, get blessed by it. And you never know how many people might even come to the Lord in it. Ladies retreats coming up. Y'all stand with me. Ladies retreat is coming up. The ladies have extended the sign up registration for one more week. Please see Anne Renee or Tanya or any of those ladies who are in charge of that. It's super, super good. Um, So one last business this morning before we go into worship. I want to remind you and thank you from your ministry team that um, the offerings are outside as you come in if you're giving in-house. If you're using the envelope system, you're writing a check. You're doing the things that you used to do um, and, and those things. Because of passing stuff around and non-touching, we're leaving those out there in those two stations for you to put your your gift and your ties out there if you're doing it. But if you're doing it online, you can go right to our app, pull it up, and you can give online. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people have been switching to online, and uh, that's great. So we got both those options. What I do want to say to you is, again, uh, here at Firm Foundation Ministries, we realize that a lot of churches are still not having services for whatever reason that those leaders have decided. And we want to pray for all our churches in our local community. And I, I want you to share with me the joy that I have that in our community there are some great ministries. Can you say amen? Come on, there are some great ministries. And God has blessed us in such a way with great churches in our area Great uh, leadership teams who are helping us all walk with Jesus and building relationships. This morning, if your church isn't meeting, we want you to pray for your church and support your church. And when it comes to time to giving, our giving out there or giving online like right now, what we're saying to you is if you're from another church and you're just visiting to worship with us, we're honored by that. You're welcome. But please don't give here. Give to your home church. Support them while they're trying to lead you through, amen, Uh, a global pandemic. But if you're a family member here, amen, you know where to give and you know how to do it. And we want to say thank you for your faithfulness and we want to bless God, amen. Come on, let's just bless the Lord for his faithfulness to us. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise this morning for that. So good. So, Father, we love you, God. We thank you for who you are. God, would you just pour out your presence this morning? Lord, we know that it's a holiday weekend and families are spending time together. And God, we bless that. And so whether we're in-house or online, God, or whether we're home or away this weekend, thank you that no matter where we go, like David, we could say, there you are. You are with us, God. And so, God, we just ask that you pour out your presence today as we come into this place right where we are, to lift our voice and to celebrate your goodness, God, because that's our agenda today, Lord, is to celebrate you, to celebrate the living Jesus, to celebrate the fact that you are with us and among us, God, that you are working. And so have your way, God, let us not leave your presence the same way we came into it, God. Thank you, God, that you have come to change us for your glory and your honor so receive our praise now as we celebrate your goodness in Jesus precious name and everyone said come on how many come to praise the living God I will bless the
2: Lord at all times and his praises will continually be in my mouth come on because we serve a good God amen Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth. we we can live in victory we can sing in victory this morning because he has already defeated every battle he has defeated every giant in front of us so we can sing in that victory this morning and as we go into this next song it's called champion and we just have to sing that that father you are my champion and when when we are facing our trials when we are are facing circumstances and things that seem impossible to face We can cry out to God, we can cry out to our champion, and he will defeat our enemy because he already has. So I don't know what you're going through this morning, but whatever it is, bring it to the Father. Cast your cares to God, and he will defeat every single giant in front of you because he is our champion. Good. us from your love, nothing can separate us from your love, Jesus. Lift my voice and shout, come on.
3: So, I wanted to ask how many of us are believing in God for things today? I've been believing in God for things all year, and I'm believing Him now for things. And I've seen how He's already done so many great things um, that I believe for, and so much more. He's exceeded my expectations again and again. But so many times, like, we forget the miracles and things that He's already done because we get so caught up and we focus on our current situation, our current struggles, and then we start to get discouraged um, in doubt because of our current battle. Then I think, who am I to doubt a God who can do all things, who continues to do miracle after miracle and exceed my expectations, who always fights for me and wins every single time? He's never lost or failed, and he never will, so we can believe in him for what seems impossible. Nothing we face is too hard for him. And he's not done working and he's not done fighting for us. So the question is, are you going to remember what he's done? And are you going to trust him with what he will do? And what he's going to do through your struggle this morning? And we're talking about the God who literally parted the Red Sea just so his people could cross right through it. And the same God who parted the Red Sea is the same God who sees you and the same God who hears you in your struggle and the same God who wants to fight for you this morning. So we're going to believe that as we're going to sing a new song today.
2: is only in your presence father your word says that in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand oh god our pleasures evermore so god we just take away every distraction we take away every thought that is not of you right now and we just come and we surrender those things to you and now we enjoy your presence this morning god as we have gone through different things during the week it's sunday now we are here in your presence now and we just take away all distractions and we come and we just we just dwell in your presence God found in your hands fullness of joy every fear suddenly wiped away here in your presence all of my gains now fade away every crown no longer on display here in your presence talks about the four living creatures and it talks about the 24 elders who bow before Jesus continuously forever now here's what's interesting to me how they're in heaven the 24 elders they're in heaven they're in perfection they have no problems they have every reason just to relax and to chill and to enjoy heaven but they don't do that they bow before Jesus and worship him and praise him forever now that gets me thinking for 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 those in heaven to continuously praise Jesus and bow before him in perfection how much more should we be bowing before him how much more should we be focused on our king, focused on Jesus focus on the Lord of Lords we have so much more reason to bow before him It doesn't matter if we're in a good season or a bad season in a blessing or a trial in heaven or on earth we are called to bow before Jesus and worship him so we're gonna take some time this might be weird this might be crazy but if you are able to I encourage you to raise your hands or to bow in this place because he is worthy of us bowing he is worthy of us raising our hands to heaven so Whatever makes you feel comfortable right now, give him a form of worship, a form of praise. What if he was here right now? What if Jesus was standing right in front of us in this moment? He is worthy of us just coming and bowing before his throne. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. He is the author and finisher of this earth. He is the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of all things. The 24 elders, when they bow before him, they declare, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Holy Lord God God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You are worthy, God. You are worthy of our praise, of all glory, honor, and power. Of all glory and honor and power, we give it to you, Father. We bow before your throne. Oh, we bow before you, Jesus. Because you are holy. Oh, Lord, Jesus, Lord. you are holy. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lamb of God. You. Yeah. you are holy, Jesus.
1: Taught us to pray. He said, It would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God, that prayer cannot become a reality without your presence. And so, God, thank you that, Lord, you have made that a possibility simply because your presence is with us. And God, I thank you this morning that even though, God, our prayer is. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are here now. God, you're not waiting for everything to be perfect to come and be with us. But Lord, you sent your presence to lead us into your perfection. So thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place this morning. Thank you, God, that you fill us up. To pour us out. We receive your presence this morning with great celebration and joy. And everyone said? Come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise. You can be seated and uh, we will uh, dismiss for uh, children's church time. Amen. And so as our children are uh, getting dismissed and and uh, situated into their classrooms. Again, if you're a visitor with us this morning, uh, we want to welcome you, whether in-house or online. Let's just do that this morning. Come on, give our visitors a big welcome this morning. You are welcome. We know that many are, as they always are on Labor Day, uh, taking their final vacations of the summer. And um, uh, usually a lot of us are prepping for fair week this, and, and fair's not happening this year. Uh, but there has been some days where the fair food has been available, and uh, I can tell some of y'all been participating. What? There ain't no sin in that. Jesus would eat a funnel cake. It might even be some at the lamb's supper. Who knows, right? Um, uh, so, elephant ears and, and uh, you know, that, um, that uh, deep-fried stick of butter is, uh, man, that's heavenly... It's perfect, isn't it, Alex? It's perfect. Amen. Do you know at the fair you can get anything deep fried on a stick? You can. you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Amen. you got to remember, them people who work at fairs, you know, and I'm thankful for them. They come from other countries, a lot of them, and they they, they don't eat the same things we eat. Uh, right? Right? Uh, and uh, that leads us into today what an honor it is uh, to have Alex and Jody Seidler with us from Elam. And um, I first met Alex and Jody uh, a few years back when Alex actually got prayed by the elders of Elam Fellowship into his position at the annual Oasis Conference out in New York. And um, that was a wonderful day where he got uh, prayed for and installed into, he's going to give you some details about some of that too, but uh, the leadership role over all of the international ministry that takes place through Elam Fellowship. And so these two young people are incredibly busy. And for them to have some time to come and be with us, because usually they're always in other countries, uh, supporting our, their missionaries, supporting the vision of Elam, and, and promoting uh, you know, the church. Um, it's a great thought, as David Campbell has taught us, I think, so brilliantly. The kingdom, we're not building the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God always has been. The kingdom of God is, and always will be. We're building the church, amen. And uh, so to build the church of Jesus Christ on the planet Earth in all different nations, tongues, and, and things, and uh, we've got some kindred spirits and those things. But they eat some. You had to eat some different food, right? And sometimes it's fried on a stick. You don't ask what it is. You just eat it, amen. But I want you to give these two great people in the Lord a hand as they come to the stage, right? What an honor.
4: Thank you, Pastor Don. We do have a slideshow of the craziest things that we've eaten, but we didn't bring it with us. If we didn't bring it with us. It would get a little too intense. But uh, my name Alex. This is my wife Jody, and we do have the honor to serve at Elam Fellowship in their missions department. And uh, there are about 160 missionaries all throughout the world. Some here in the states, but scattered all throughout the world. And uh, but Elam's history and missions goes back all the way to 1927. Who remembers 1927? Anybody? Okay, Pastor Don, I see that hand. Good. Thank you. Okay. Honesty is key in church. This is good. But uh, our first missionary launched out in 1927, and her name was Bertha Dermermuth. Everybody say Bertha. Isn't that a great first missionary to have Big Bertha? It's like she was like the perfect person to be able to go out. But she started at Elon Bible Institute, got touched by God when a missionary came through and she launched out, and she went out to Ethiopia. She was in Liberia, but she was the first missionary to ever launch from Elam, and I'm telling you, since that time, there's been thousands upon thousands that have gone, and now, as of right now, around the world, there's millions of believers, I I don't even know how many tens of thousands of churches that are actually out there, as far as our work in China, all across Africa, South America, all throughout Latin America, all throughout Europe, there are so many missionaries that have gone to start and pioneer works, it's almost like, there's too much to actually categorize and like write down, all I know is that if you have a dart, and you have a map of the world, and you throw it, even if it hits the ocean, Elam probably has done something there. Okay, that's all I can. I'm still learning about all the things that we have as far as Bible schools and churches and leaders and missionaries around the world, but we get to serve alongside of that. I don't like to think we're overseeing that. You can't oversee that. That oversees you. You know what I'm saying? When something is that large, I'm just like waving at it as as a cruise ship goes by. But we get to lead that thing side by side with amazing leaders and pastors all around the world. And so I want Jody to share a little, a little bit about her role. She is our director of international growth. And she, my job, I'm the director, not so much fun. She's the director of international growth, meaning mobilizing and launching really, really fun stuff. Okay, so this is the not so fun and the fun side of missions right here. But uh, she's going to share a little bit about what we're doing as far as short-term trips, where we're going in missions, and a little bit more about her role.
5: Yes. So I have the amazing privilege of sending people to the nations. I feel like my job is done well when I don't see you anymore. I'm like, goodbye. See you later. Go on out there. Do well. And so I have an incredible crew of people that I work with who help me uh, meet with people, see, hey, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Really, we're facilitating the call of God that that people have on their life. We don't send anyone because if we do, then they're our problem. But God sends people. And so we just help facilitate what God is doing in their life and what he's speaking to them. And then we're finding opportunities and helping them launch. We have some amazing trips planned. We love to do things with youth groups. So we're doing something called Saturate Go. If you know the Elon Fellowship Saturate Conference, we're doing Saturate Go um, this coming summer, which is kind of a local missions trip in the States um, that we're going to do. Then we have some young adult trips that we're doing. We're going to be going to Mexico and to Boston, which we're super excited about. And then we also have internships, so opportunities to serve um, all over the world, really, partnering with our missionaries that are there. And so I just have the amazing privilege of walking with people in their calling. It's one of my most favorite things to do, grabbing a cup of coffee with someone and saying, hey, what is God speaking to you? What are you? What's on your heart? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And then I get to help them in that calling. And it's fabulous because i'm not making their calling for them i'm just facilitating what god is doing in their life and it is such a joy and i love my team that i have with me i love my boss come on i love my boss he's so handsome but yes so so thank you awesome give it up for jody
4: (laughs) Woo. babe did you say boston are we going to boston really has anyone been to boston ever like does anyone go there anymore i don't know i don't know are there christians there Does anyone know? Okay. Um, No, we're so excited. We have some amazing churches in the Boston area that are burning with intercession, believing for revival for those top universities there like MIT, like Harvard, like a lot of smart people there. We're believing that God is going to zap them on campus. They're going to get radically saved. And then the future leaders of our entire movement here in the States, they're going to be ones that are touched by God, not just believers, touched by God in deep intercession, burning with revival. So we are so excited for these trips. How, that, can we just give it up for Breno leading us in that last little part there of worship? I thought that was amazing. I honestly didn't even want to come up, come up and speak after that because I was like, that's where I, that's where I think we're supposed to be this morning. Did you feel the weight of that moment, the beauty of that moment? And I've been watching you guys from afar. I stalk you guys on Facebook. Who, who stalks people on Facebook? Don't raise your hands. Oh, okay, we raise hands. Don't raise hands. You know what I'm saying? Now we have to like, put you in a certain section of the church. <laughs> like, we can't have stalkers in here. But, you know, I watch you guys on FFM from afar. We're from Rochester, New York. And you guys are like, we feel like very much like family. We don't know each of you by name, but we love Pastor Don and Lisa and the, 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 uh, the Brady Bunch up here leading worship, the family. It's like, you know, we love everything about this tribe and about this family. But I've been watching you from afar during this crazy thing called the coronavirus. Have you guys heard of that before? Apparently, it's a, vir- it's a virus of pale logger okay it's a coronavirus and so like I've been watching you from afar and what I've realized is that you guys have not gotten frantic in this house but you've gotten focused in this house something you see I see a lot of churches I see a lot of churches went immediately frantic the first questions what about the finances what about the what about the chairs what about the mess what about, just went totally it's almost like there were Christians until the adversity came then they weren't the church; they were about the merch. You know what I'm saying? Like this, someone's got to tweet that. Like it was more about protecting the brand than the opportunity that was at hand. I don't know why I'm like Dr. Seuss this morning. Don't I? Don't I don't like to rhyme when I preach, but I do it when I teach. I see, I can't stop it. <laughs> but listen, I saw you guys from afar capitalize on the moment, and the moment it when it, you guys remember when it first happened, like in March. Or, my wife and I were in China in January. Okay, we landed, and you know, there's, like, a lot of people in China. Have you guys heard of that? There was nobody on the streets. We landed, and it was like, did, the, did like, did the rapture happen? And, like, why are we, why are we not there? Like, what's happening? Like, literally, when you land in China, I lived there for six years, there's more people than you know what to do with. Like, there, you get very claustrophobic very, very quickly. It's the, one of the beautiful things about China. When we landed, it was, like, Nobody. And so we're there, we're like, okay, we're supposed to be here for a week, probably not a good idea. Like, everyone we want to meet with, we're calling. They're saying, hey, I don't think we should meet. The government actually made it illegal to meet house to house. That's how much China was trying to say, this thing's out of control, we got to contain it. So when we landed, we're like, okay, if this thing ever gets to the States, I don't know what that will look like. I don't think you can tell Americans to stay inside. I don't think we listen too well. I think we are the land of the free. Like, we were just, Ameri- so we're like, Lord, okay, we see what this looks like in Asia. Then we went to, uh, we were in Hong Kong, we were in Russia, we were in Kazakhstan, we were in Thailand. And the whole time we're saying, is this thing going to spread around the world? And little, little did we know that actually, not because of us, but definitely soon after we landed back in the States, <laughs> there, there, there was outbreaks all across Seattle Actually, in our home city of Rochester, there was massive outbreaks in New York City, obviously. And now it's still sweeping our entire nation and the world. And I see, I've seen, I've been able to see from afar, a lot of churches react. A lot of churches get frantic. You guys caught the moment and leaned in. And it's not just about how do we get the building back open. That's not what I'm saying. Even though you guys have done a great job. You guys are encouraging social distancing, encouraging let's be safe. You guys are, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the building. Because you guys know the church is not a building. The church looks like your neighbor. If you get a mirror, that's the church. What you guys did is you caught the moment and you said, God, are you calling us deeper? That was the question in front of the church worldwide over the past three, four months. It's not about how, how fast can you get online, even though that's good. It's not about how can you get your your bulletins and how can you get online giving going? Really, those are still good things. I'm so happy. A lot of our Elam churches did not have online giving or online streaming. Most of them are all on that. I love that, that this kind of chaos caused that to happen. But that wasn't the issue at hand. The issue was, can you go deeper in me? And that had nothing to do with how many people can we get in this building. That had everything to do with can each and every heart Focus on Jesus Christ, the person of Christ. Lay down their life. Lay down, I mean, COVID kind of did that for us. Laid off us on jobs. Laid off our schedules. I worked from home for three months in my little stinky office space in our guest bedroom at home. Jody wouldn't even go in there after two weeks. She was like, I need, I need a mask not for outside. I need a mask for in your workspace. It's crazy in there. But I'm telling you what, we could have missed that moment. But you guys didn't. You ever wonder, like, I mean, you guys did. I mean, Breno and Pastor Don, you have to help me out. You guys prayed online for how many weeks in a row? 66 days straight. And if you're into numerology, we'll just round it up to 77. Okay? Like, 66 days straight. I heard a rumor on the 67th day. Uh, Breno texted Don at 2 a.m. was like, "Hey man, let's not do it tomorrow. I'm not feeling." So I don't know the whole story of what happened on day 67, but there were some there were some signals crossed. But you guys prayed as a church. Now listen, when you, you, who watched that on Facebook Live? When you look through the screen, it was it was good old PD and good old BA right there. It was it was the it was it was it was, it was these two right here, and the, I know the others got involved towards the end. But I'm telling you, they represented you in that moment. They represented this tribe and this heart. Now, why would Jesus, in a moment of crisis, have his church? The first thing that he calls you to do is to go deeper in prayer. Why would that be Jesus's strategy? I was just talking to, uh, I mean, I forget who it was. It might have been, I think it was you, Pastor Don, about Braveheart. Or I was talking to somebody about Braveheart recently. Braveheart. Like, if I'm if I'm leading the global church in this moment, which I'm not, Jesus Christ is. I'm thankful for that. In this moment of chaos, I'm having like a brave heart, like I'm painting my face. I'm getting the crowd all amped up. Like imagine halftime in the NBA finals. I'm in the locker room and I'm getting them all amped up and I'm getting ready. Get ready to charge. Like I'm getting everyone to stand up and get ready and to hit their chests and to be like to actually start going crazy. I I remember watching one time on a on a. Uh, on a Facebook Live, and Breno's up here ripping it down, and he said, devil, you going down today. Like, Breno was all in. Like, there's something there's something of, a, of an aggressive advancing. That would be me in this moment. I'd be trying to get everybody amped up. I'd be like the, uh, like the, the WWF for the, the boxing. Let's get ready to rumble. Like, I would be that in this moment, trying to get everyone charged up to go out and reach the lost. But that wasn't the play that just happened over the past four months. Jesus was drawing us as a church to himself, where we're saying, I'm, I'm stood up, I, have my, I have, my, have my armor, I got my shield, I got my sword, I got my helmet, I got my knee pads, Jesus, I'm ready to go get him." And Jesus says, no, 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 Come closer. Come. That's why I appreciate that moment at the end, because what Breno led is the is literally the picture in my mind of what the past four months have looked like. We're going, Jesus, there's such a hurting, dying, lost, confused world out there. Send me out there and let me go get him. And Jesus says, oh, No, I will, I will, I will. chill, 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 chill. <laughs> I will. But first, come to me. Lean in. Listen, you've gotten out of you've gotten out of sync with what you're, you're hearing the voices of the TV and not my voice. You you've watched more videos on Facebook about the coronavirus, the amount of chapters in the Bible that you've read about this thing. Like, I I need you, my bride, my bridegroom, to come here and hear my heart and catch what I'm thinking. Catch my—that's what you did in this church. I watched FFM from all the way in Rochester. I've watched you lean into this moment and hear him say, okay, no, no, you're going to be sent out. You are sent ones. You are called for this moment to bring revival to this area and many surrounding areas and many nations. That's what God has on you as a church family. But first, during this season, can you come a little bit closer? You see, where I would say first go and act and reach, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says first pray. And I sense the same urgency. If you open up your Bibles in Luke 10, this has been, this has been a passage of Scripture that has been arresting me for two years now. At Elam Fellowship, what we launched two years ago was something called the 10-2 Prayer Movement. It was something on our hearts saying, God, we want to see a new generation of missionaries launched to the field. We want to see a new generation of people launched to the nations. But Jesus put us in our spot. He said, listen, you're about to do all these actions and all these initiatives and all these exciting things and all these new websites and all these new social media things. Listen, that's all activity. Before you go and do activity first, I want you to pray. See, where I was ready to stand up and charge, Jesus said, no, 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 that, that, that's part two of this equation. The first part of the equation is the first fall to your knees. And in Luke 10, too, what we see is Jesus with his team of disciples getting ready to send them out on their first short-term mission trip. Who here has been on a mission trip before? Put your hand up. It can be locally, internationally. Those are some crazy times, right? Like, you're full of faith and full of fear all at the same time. You, like, are so excited and wearing a diaper because you're so scared all in the same moment. It's like this, this tension. So that's where the disciples are. They're like, they've been watching Jesus do miracles. They've been watching him move forward in power. And now Jesus is saying, hey guys, check this out. I'm not going to be the one leading this charge. You guys are leading this charge. And then he instructs them in Luke 10:2. Check this out. The harvest truly is great. Somebody say great. Check this out. But the laborers are Few. Those two words, great and few, don't really translate well in our English Bibles. Because that word great doesn't mean like, great. Like that word great doesn't mean like, how was your ice cream last night? Great. How was the, uh, the uh, passion fruit moose that Pastor Eddie made last night? It was great. Like, hey, how are the Giants going to play this year? They're going to play great. How do you like your shoes? They're great. We use the word great kind of just in a, in, a, in a very diverse way. That word great, though, better translated means overwhelming. How many of you have been to the beach lately? And how many of you have counted the grains of sand on the beach? That's overwhelming. How many of you have been to the ocean, you're looking out, and you can't even see any land, you can't see the other side. It's like it's like the the horizon is overwhelming. That's what that word means. So when Jesus is saying the harvest is great, that doesn't mean we can do it. That puts the disciples in, like, they're so ready to go get him. And Jesus says, listen. You, you guys are going into the harvest? Here's what I I need to give you a little bit of insider information about the harvest. The harvest is completely overwhelming. And the disciples are like, "Oh. Okay, I thought we were going to get them. No, they're going to get us apparently." And then check it out. And then the workers are few. Now, that word few also it's very very diverse in our language. Like, man, Alex, how many times do you tell your wife that you love her? Not a few times a day. How many dates do you go on a month? We go on a few dates a month. How many thousands of dollars do you have in the bank? A few thousands, more like a few hundreds. It's like, it's such a, it's such a, that word few does not translate well into our culture. That word few means puny. That word, as an American that word does something, doesn't it? It's like, oh, and I'm proud to be. It's like the word puny activates something in us of, like, anger. And, like, we're not going to be puny. But, Jesus, look at us. We're strong. And Peter's going to chop off a guy's ear in the future. Like, we are a mighty army. Jesus is saying to his team, before he sends them out in the harvest, the harvest is overwhelming, and the workers are puny. Crickets. Like, Jesus, like there's only 12 guys standing around. Like, they're, they're probably like, do you think he's talking about us? Like, are we puny? Like, they're kind of like, yeah, they're like, sucking in their gut. They're like, no, Jesus, we can do it. Why would Jesus do that? Because he wants to understand the situation of what they're about to go into, but also the instruction that's next. Let's read the rest of verse, t- verse 2. Therefore, say it out loud, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. I'm telling you, for two years, I've been battling with this scripture where I see myself in that same moment and I'm in the locker room of heaven and I'm gathering the troops, and I'm drawing up the play, and I'm letting them know the harvest is plentiful, they're killing us out there, and the workers are few. Therefore, stand up, and with all your grit, and with all your might, sock it to them. Like, I see myself, like a very Rudy, passionate, Denzel Washington-type speech, and everybody stands up, they hoist me on their shoulders, and we win the game in the fourth quarter. Like, that's what I picture. That's not what Jesus does, though. That's my fallible, American, twisted, self-serving lead, Christian leadership mindset trying to interpret how would I motivate the troops for the job. You know how, how Jesus did it? Jesus said, listen, before you stand up and go, first you fall to your knees and pray. And I'm t- I've lost a lot of sleep over this in a good way. Why would Jesus do that? And friends at FFM, I, I simply believe it's because of this. I think Jesus knew ultimately that if he can Create a people of prayer. If he can get his disciples where the first thing they do, when things hit the fan and everything's out of control and chaos is all around us, if the first thing we do is hit our knees, he knows that a people of prayer will always become a people of dependence. You see, because something in me rises up when it's go time. But you know what that feeling is? That's flesh. Somebody say flesh. Boo. You can do that. We were in church. Flesh. Boo. You got, okay, awesome. I think some of you are on vacation right now. What is happening? Okay. Spirit. Yay. Hey, okay, good. (laughs) Jesus knows that if he simply makes the Great Commission, and reaching the harvest, and reaching Centerville, and reaching the nations, if he makes it an emotional response to an opportunity, you'll last two days. There's a good friend of mine who started a ministry and organization that digs wells in Africa, and he told me about the first time he ever went over there. And he went over there, he knew he was going to take over this organization, he knew he was going to lead it in the future, and while he's over there, He's just grinding it out. You know, who's been on short-term mission trips? You grind it out. You're not even walking with God. You're like, I'm gonna grind this thing out. You're like every like there's something in you on a short-term mission trip, like a day off seems like a a, like a vacation for 18 weeks because it's so rare. You're just grinding, you're going, you're waking up early, you're going out all day, you're staying up late, you're praying, you're doing debriefs, someone on the team's spazzy. You gotta sit down with them for eight hours and cast out all the demons and talk through stuff and call their parents, and it's nonstop. He's grinding it out for two weeks, every single day in his own strength. His own chutzpah, his own might, his own power. He's just doing the Christian missions thing, grinding it out, grinding it out. I gotta keep up with these missions, I gotta keep up with these locals, I gotta, I gotta. Finally, he gets to the last village on the trip. He gets to the last village, and he's sitting with the leaders, and he can't even go into the meeting that they were gonna have to talk about wells. Instead, he went out and found a, a secluded spot in this village, this African village in the middle of nowhere, he said he lay on the ground, he just fell to the ground on his back, and he said, God, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I'm frustrated. I'm angry at my team. I don't understand this culture. Two weeks of serving nonstop. The last day, the last meeting, he's out. He's completely just on his back, just sitting there. And he just feels all this murmuring coming up. It's like all these Facebook posts. I mean, all these complaints, just like like all you know' like like all of this stuff against God, against the people that sent him, against what this assignment is, all of this stuff coming out. You know what the Holy Spirit said to him? The Holy Spirit said this. He said, "James, working in your own strength will always produce the fruit of your own spirit." And in that moment, James realized, I've been emotionally responding with everything inside of me and it feels like the right thing but now I'm tasting that fruit. You know what the fruit of your own spirit is? It's not love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faith. That's no no, it's like the opposite. It's like depression. It's not like what what's the bridge of that song, the uh, the uh, champion song? Yeah, it's not like undefeated, it's like I'm defeated. It's like that's the fruit you're, you're eating the fruit every day of anger, frustration, rage, self-pity, loathing. I, I, you beat up, like, you're, you know, like, the little thing, like, like you're, you're, you're just, like, you're taking out people in the church with your little, like, pinchy thing. Like, you are so full of something. Listen, that's not fruit of Jesus. That's fruit of you. And that's some nasty fruit, people. That's some nasty. If no one's told you that yet, that is some nasty fruit. Some of that is stinking up. You know, like some of that is absolutely not of him. But it's so easy to blame ministry, isn't it? It's so easy to blame. I started serving at the church. Pastor Don needed volunteers. I did it. Now I'm frustrated at everybody. Pastor Mike Cavanaugh says, you ask God to use you, then he does, and then you feel used. <laughs> and you go, wait, God, but I thought I, thought I was going to feel good. <laughs> What is that? I've been in ministry now for almost 15 years. I, I'm there every, that's me every day getting frustrated at my spouse, getting frustrated at me, getting frustrated at the team, getting like leading missionaries is just an, you can't do it. It's not, it's not a task that you can do. They lead you. So like trying to provide, it's it's such a frustrating thing. When I start to feel that, I have to say, Jesus, am I mixing up the order? Because you you said the the harvest is out there. It's ready. It's now. We don't have to wait for Ceneville to be ready for revival. It's right now, but first fall to your knees. Look up to heaven and pray. And say, God, as I go, I'm gonna ask you to send workers. Why would Jesus do that? It's because he knows a people of prayer, we're we're not action first, but prayer first. Well, that becomes into their life cycle. Their response cycle, he knows that a people of prayer will always turn into a people of dependence. Now a fast, jolting word is not your first response. Now it's, okay, Abba, this situation's crazy. Before I think I want to handle it in this way, I'm going to look to you. I'm going to ask you to come. Why would Jesus say that? Because you look in verse 3, the the second half of verse 3, check this out. Go on your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Who watches the Discovery Channel in here? That's not a fair fight. That's called delicious. That's not, you know what I'm saying? Like that's not, what are the lambs going to do? They're going to fall over. They don't have anything to do. Bah, crunch lamb kebabs. That's the end. That's the end of the story. So Jesus is saying, hey, the harvest is overwhelming. The workers are pewdy. And check it out. I'm sending you as sheep among the wolves. Who's ready to go get them now? They're all like, oh, sweet banana pudding. Like, what is, I don't, I have no idea. I'm not ready for this. That's because Jesus said, first, you pray. You have to realize you going out on your own is not the goal. I heard a good friend of mine, Josh Finley, said this. He said, the Holy Spirit, when he sends you out and commissions you, he's not like a travel agent booking you different things to do. He's like a tour guide. He goes with you. A tour guide says, hey, I figured this all out. I found this crazy waterfall that no one ever goes to, and I'm going to jump first. That's what it's like living in tune with the Holy Spirit. When you fall to your knees, you're putting yourself in the hands of that person who loves the world more than you ever will, who loves the person that you hate the most more than you ever will, and will walk with you through every single assignment in front of you. Friends, that's why it's called the Great Commission. It's not the Great Mission. The great co mission. We're running with Christ. The Holy Spirit is with us every single way that we go. He's with us every step of the way. You see, I think Jesus also understands that when you become a person of prayer, then you become a person of dependence. When you become dependent on Him, it drains you of you. That's one iPhone battery we need on low. That's you. When you wait on Jesus and become come dependent on him, you're not raising your hand with the answer, you're surrendering to the answer. God, I have so much confusion and rage and ideas and solutions. All these God, but here I'm right here before you. All of me just take it out right now. And now fill me with all of you. That's the equation that never runs out. That's the equation that until the day that we go into heaven, until we pass on the other side, that equation never runs out. So when I see young people, when I see older people, when I see juiced up Christians going at it, listen, if they're just saved, some people, sometimes you say like, oh, they're young in the faith and they're No, no, no. If you have young people that are excited about Jesus, you teach them that lesson, they'll go for the rest of their life. They will burn brighter in their later years than they ever will in their younger years. They will continue to burn. That's not just like, oh, they'll get over it. No, they won't get over it. That means they'll be like you. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that for my life. How do we stay dependent and stay on mission and not just be a church that prays in the prayer room and stays there, but we pray. We drain us of us. The best news is you don't have to live with yourself. You can say, Jesus, please come. I'm ridiculous. Please come, Jesus. Just drain me right now. All my self-ambition, all my strange motives, all of my things that I, just take that. Lord, I give that to you. That's my own effort. That's my own strength. That's me eating the fruit of my own spirit. Can you just come? Just bring that down. Simma down now. Just simmer down now. Just bring that out. And now fill me with all of you. But that's not where it stops, friends, because Jesus also knows, and th- I'm so, that's, this is why I was so thankful for that last moment with Breno. You'll understand in a second. It's because Jesus knows that a people of prayer, if he can get his team reacting and thinking and diving into prayer in a fresh way, a people of prayer become a people of dependence. But it doesn't stop there, because Jesus also knows that a people of dependence always become a people of his presence. And friends, that's the game changer that every religion, every religion has a book like this. Every religion has a leader they follow. But every religion that leader they follow is dead. Except for us. The one true living God lets us know that he's here From his presence. He protects us with his presence. He guides us with his presence. He comforts us with his presence. But check this out. He empowers us with his presence. All of us know the first 14 words of the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Listen, the last 14 words of the Great Commission are just as important as the first 14. Because the last 14 words say this. And lo, Even to the end of the age, there I will be with you also. So Jesus gives us this crazy thing of, go and preach the gospel. Go into all the world. Go and make disciples. He's not talking to pastors. He's talking to believers. That's for you. Go and make disciples. Get out there. But check this out. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Jesus knows he's sending us out as a snack for the enemy. Tell your neighbor, you're looking like a snack. For some of you, that, okay, okay, yeah, that's a double-edged sword right there, but it's okay. Like, you're, we're sending out, and the enemy is licking their chops, saying, ooh, lamb kebabs for lunch again. Thank you, Lord. So he knows he's sending us into territories, into principalities, into areas where it's dark and it's desolate, and it's, it's extremely needy for the gospel. But then Jesus says, I'm going with you. Come on, FFM. That's the best news ever. The great I am is with you on the great commission. It's not just you running around looking at Jesus like, high five. He's right there with you, slugging it out every day. His presence empowers us. Excited believers bring energy, but empowered believers bring heaven. I'm tired of energetic Christians. I'm tired of saucy Christians that have some sauce. They have some zest. Flash in the pan. It actually does more harm for the church than good. I'm ready for some empowered believers who are not just loud for the sake of being loud, but are faithful in coming before God, saying, God, it's me again. I'm not going anywhere. Yesterday was horrible, but I'm back. Can you fill me and drain me? Now allow me to bear your presence wherever I go. That's what, that's what this next revival looks like. I think this, this next revival, lo, it looks less like a few pastors and preachers filling stadiums of thousands and more like thousands of empowered believers loving the one. That's what I think this looks like. You can send Venmo payments to... Cho- <laughs> oh, man. Listen, we need the presence of God to saturate every fiber of our being. It is so easy, without even knowing it, to trigger people into hate, to trigger people into argument, people that I know and love coming at me for all sorts of reasons in real life, I have no idea, like, what did I do? What the, is, it because I, I, is it because I didn't say something about this issue we're facing? Or is it because I did say something about this issue? I'm sick. I'm not, tip, I'm not walking on eggshells. I'm saying, Jesus, saturate me. Jesus, if I say something about this, I'll get derailed. If I don't say something about this, I'll get derailed. How about this? How about I stop laying down and obeying man? How about I start looking up and obeying Christ and saying, Can your presence lead me? Every Facebook, every email, every phone call, every text message, every conversation at Yoder's, buying my third donut of the day, can you saturate me? Glory. Listen, I had an apple fritter yesterday. I'm telling you, I thought I saw Paul waving to me in heaven. He was like, see you soon. I was like, oh, what is this? Are you, are you with me this morning? I can stop if you want. We'll just take an offering again. You don't want that. Okay. Jesus, can you saturate every single fiber of my being, my thoughts, my words. His presence does that. His presence is the greatest game changer on the face of the earth. I'm telling you, this book grounds us. This book leads us. This book empowers us. His presence invades us. His presence does something. When I look back at my life, we were just sharing some stories last night with pastors, all the knucklehead things that I've done in my life, all of them, some of them. I've done some stupid things in my life, even while I was at Bible school, just a complete knucklehead. I'm telling you, when I was in his presence, it became an anchor. Everything, even though I was making decisions, even though I was doing whatever it was, when I had those pr- encounters with his presence, it anchored me into my destiny. And I'm saying, FFM, what if, what if that was true of this entire house? What if that was true of this entire area? That this next revival is less about trying to get people to come into something, but trying to get the people that are already in something out to people. This, the, the next revival is going to be one of, of not a few famous people doing everything, but a few thousand faithful, committed. Not loud, not wild, not a great social media following, not extroverted. I'm not talking about personality type. I'm saying a few thousand faithful people of prayer. That's the first domino. We always want the stadium of thousands. You don't understand. That starts with a few that are relentless in prayer. God, no one showed up to the prayer meeting. Guess what? We're going after it. We're staying in it. I'm going to continue to go. In closing, I'm going to share a story here in closing, but I invite the worship team to come on up. But in closing, one of my favorite uh, stories of revival actually comes from a man named Charles Finney when he was in the New England area, and it's the Boston Revivals. And in the mid to late 1800s, he was there, and he was doing services, and he was ministering. And it's documented that one million people gave their life to Christ through those revivals, and also one million people rededicated their life to Jesus. Jesus. Now imagine, this is like the, I don't know if there's like, there's probably 5 million people in the world. I don't know. Like it's not a lot of people. So when there's documented 1 million people giving their lives to the Lord, I think on a scale, that's got to be like 10 plus million in today, like in today's world. If you look at how many people actually lived in the United States or in that area. It was a tremendous revival. But the thing that everyone remembers and what everyone talks about is that the presence of God was so strong in New England during those revivals. That before Finney would even come up and preach, people would just be laid out around town. Not the church. The presence of God came and saturated the entire area. And then all of a sudden stories started popping up about ships coming into harbor. And ships would come into harbor and they'd, they'd dock and families would be waiting for their loved ones from wherever they were coming from. And no one would get off the ships. No one would get off the boat. So the first reactions were probably like, oh my gosh, like what happened? Did the scurvy come? Like what? Like, is there something wrong? Like, are there pirates on there? Did they not make it? And so what happened is families would just then start going on the ships looking for their families. And what they found, families and crew members huddled hand in hand, weeping and crying out to God in repentance. There was no preacher on the boat. There was no website to get text messages and encouragement from. There was no okay K-love back in the day. What it was, was the presence of God. When that ship just came near that place, boom, the presence of God fell, and it drew people to the Father. It made people have the, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in such a powerful way that they would just cry out to God. Children weeping with their mothers, just crying out to Jesus. So friends, that's why I encourage us this morning. Why, why would this be the strategy for this hour? The world is in such turmoil. Every week we get reports of our missionaries around the world going through another crazy thing. We have missionaries that can't even get back to their home country. They've actually moved to another country for this time. All their stuff is at home. All their things are there. They're serving God faith. Why would, why would God... Allow this moment of chaos. What would he be trying to do in this moment? I'm telling you what he's doing. I think. I think God is saying, come to me. Before you react, before you want to step out and go, before you want to launch out and just save the whole world, I I feel like the Holy Spirit's drawing us in a fresh way. He's saying, my children, can you become a people of prayer? Can you draw to me? I know things are crazy. I know you're hurting. I know it's confusing. I know that every pastor and every leader has a different stance on everything. But can you come to me? You see, I could have called anybody to Centerville. I could have called anybody to FFM. But my children, I've called you for this hour, for this moment. So revivals, this domino down here. That's what we're believing for. That's what we're in. This next wave, where does it start? You guys are doing it. You guys are going for it. It's becoming a people of prayer. And so I want us to stand up in closing here. And I just want to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give two simple, I'm going, to give, I'm, I'm going to pass it to Pastor Don for some altar ministry, but I'm going to give two simple responses right now that we're going to go into a time of worship. But as I was talking about a people of dependence, and I was talking about working in your own strength, your own grit, your own muscle, your own drive, I feel, I feel like God was speaking to some people in this room and you had that thing on you that was just like yeah that's me man like i don't know who sent you that email i don't know if you saw my facebook post recently i don't know like uh, but i think the holy spirit wants to drain you of you this morning in an awesome way i think some of you when i shared that story about eating the fruit of your own spirit i think if some of you were kind of like yeah i ate some of that this morning actually put that on my oatmeal that was a bad move that's bad fruit I think I think the Holy Spirit was was touching some of us this morning. I'm with you. I'm I'm always I, I was preaching to myself today. That's me right now in this moment. I, I'm living in that space where I'm just like, man, but it feels so right. It feels so fun. The flesh gives me a high like nothing else. <laughs> it's just like, Ugh. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Just let that thing fade away. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hands. Not not very high. Just right here. Because I'm with you this morning. I'm the guy preaching this, okay? This is me. I'm with you. And the Holy Spirit in such an awesome, gentle way is going to come. He's going to drain us of ourselves. And he's going to fill us with his strength. So, Jesus, we lift our hands up right now. Not as a sign of strength, as a sign of weakness. Because it says your strength will be made perfect in our weakness. And so, God, the ones of us that have our hands raised, we're just saying, Jesus, Here, I've been getting so frustrated. I've been getting so confused. I've been getting so agitated. Lord, I've been feeling myself. that The flesh continues to rise up. And I know that this will be a battle for the rest of our lives, is allowing the Spirit to have a takeover. We just come before you right now, in this moment. We ask you to come and to fill us up to overflowing with your strength, with your grace. Lord, we've been independent working in our own strength. But right now, we ask that you would help us to become dependent on you. Become dependent on your grace once again. Dependent on your strength. Dependent on your answers. Right now, we ask that you would drain us of ourselves. All the things that seem so right in our minds and hearts. All the things that we have the best arguments in our mind with people. It's not even real life. We just go in our minds about it. All those things. Just come right now. That doesn't lead to the kingdom growing. That doesn't lead to the church being built. That leads to me being built and me being right. Just take, man, the world world doesn't need us to be right in this moment. They just need us to be Jesus. The only way for that to happen, just lower us a little bit. Drain this battery of my own strength. And now fill us with you, Lord God. Fill us with all of you. Fill us up to overflowing. Strengthen our hands, strengthen our hearts. Fill us up with all of you. In your name we pray. Thank you, Lord. And the, the last part of my sermon here, it's talking about his presence. I just feel, that's why that last moment, like I don't want to even talk because that's what I felt for us in this house at FFM that he is about to release a wave. Of his presence nothing like you've ever known you won't be able to compare it to something like oh yeah i remember the toronto blessing that's what that no, no 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 this is not comparable it's a wave of his presence in a fresh way that you've never experienced before and so the last call i'm also with my hands up the last call is for those that are just hungry some desperate people some people that are saying, I'm ready, I'm dependent, I'm filled up, but I need a wave of His presence to come and hit me. I need both hands up high right now. Put your hands up high, a wave of His presence. And we're going to go into a time of worship right now, and I'm just going to believe with our hands up. I'm going to put this mic down. I'm coming down here. My hands are up. I'm believing as we worship, as we warfare, as we press in, His presence will come in such a mighty way. So we ask you to do it again, God. Do it again. Do it again, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to be excited believers. We want to be empowered believers. We want to be filled up with all of you, and then have the sending wind of the Spirit and your presence in front of us. So God, come and invade this worship time. In your name, we pray. Amen. Lead us in.
2: Jesus Can't go back to the beginning Can't control what tomorrow will bring But I know here in the middle is a place where you promise to be
6: I'm
2: not enough unless you come will you meet me here again yeah this is our prayer this morning cause all I want all you are, will you meet me here again? Oh, oh you mean to see again, Jesus See me as I walk as I walk now through the valley. Let your love rise above everything Like the sun shaping shadows Cause all I want is all you are.
1: Will you meet me here again? Just gonna tell you, man. I'm gonna be honest when, I, when a preacher hears another good preacher preach, it just spurs on sermon after sermon after sermon, right? This morning is incredible thought process in my mind, in a sense that God birthed me out of revival. I was birthed in a tent revival. I got born again under no gospel tent because of a tent revival. And so, there's a part inside of me. There's a part of my spirit that longs for revival. Always, it never goes away. There's a part of me that wants every church service to look like the services that I came to the Lord in, full of the Spirit, where the Shekinah glory was in the house and people were on their face. And Jesus was calling people to, that's what the Lord did, he called me to himself first. Hello, somebody. He didn't send me first, come on, he called me to himself first. And because of my excitement, I'm the one who flips the script. Come on, I want revival, so what do I need to do? I need to do what revival used to look like, put up tents or fill stadiums. As soon as we can fill a stadium, the revival has come. But I love this word today, and it reaffirms in my spirit what God has already spoken to us, that we are in revival because Jesus has flipped the script on us in the way to say, instead of the thousands gathering together it's the thousands loving the one that's revival come on church that is so good and that starts with us returning to jesus emptying ourselves of our own abilities our own strengths our own ideas and just depending on the lord what if what come on church The devil thought he ended God's plan by killing Jesus. Come on, church. What if the devil thought he was thwarting or ending any chance of revival by shutting down the church? Instead, now the church has returned to Jesus and learned to love the one. And revival has come because, like Brenda sung earlier, he can't fail. It can't fail. What if the devil trying to shut down the church, come on somebody, through corona, actually taught God's people what it meant to come back to him so that he could teach us how to love the one. It's so good, church. This is a message right from the throne of God for us. It sets right in what God has been speaking to us. And I want to encourage you. It's easy to love the one who's just like you. Come on, it's easy to love the one who thinks like you do, who acts like you do. Come on, church, who talks like you do or looks like you do. But love is shown in its deepest capacity when you extend it to someone who ain't like you, who don't think like you. And this world's going to change. Somebody's got to go first, and I think the church needs to go first. I think the people of God need to go first. Love Jesus. this can't be about nothing else but loving people hello somebody because we're not enough without him and we need his presence this is a good word I hope you'll receive it Now I want to pray for you I want to pray over this word that God seats it in our spirit amen come on just raise your hands with me father right now in this place we have heard you Lord thank you for the responding of your spirit to us help us to respond to you jesus lord you are teaching us what true revival looks like instead of the one gathering the thousands it's the thousands loving the one help us to be that god lord when we do that revival will never end it won't be a set of meetings or just a season That, God, it'll be a lifestyle that we live in as your people. Not just an excited people. Not just a stirred people. But an empowered people. Lord, we know we need your power to love those who aren't like us. Help us to do it, Jesus. We submit ourselves to this word today. We embrace the fruit of revival. We choose to love the one you put in front of us. Lord, I don't care who they are, where they came from, what they believed. Teach us to love them like you love them, Jesus. Let the love of God flow through us and change their heart and life. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for this word. My God. I'm going to pray that this word does the same thing that I said to you last week. I don't want our messages just to stir you in church. I want our messages to haunt you as you leave. Amen. To wake you up in the middle of the night. To stir you in the middle of the week. Do this. Go love someone this week and watch what God will do. God bless you. We'll see you next week.